This is Yusuf. And this is... Anti Entertainment. Yes, and we are giving you another Oscar-nominated film. Uh, and this one is from the Aaron Swicken. And the movie is called Bienno de Carlos. Yes, and it follows Lucy and Desi as they face a crisis that could end their careers and another that could end their marriage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, now uh, the film stars Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball, uh, Javier Bardem as Desi Arnaz. Uh, we have the ever always amazing J.K. Simmons, uh, Nina Arianda, Tony Hale, Alia Shawkat. Uh, and some other folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, uh, Clark Gregg, yes. Yes, 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 yeah. Um, so this film, we actually, rather than getting, like, Lucille Ball's, like, entire story, we cut into, um, like, seven days of her life. Mm where we are finding out that um, she may or may not have some connections to the Communist Party. And for the younger people that don't know, uh, back in the 50s, 60s, it was a really, really bad thing to be connected to the Communists, um, especially during the Cold War. Many writers, actors, people... Uh, across the U.S. lost their 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 careers, um, their livelihoods because they were accused of being communists. Right. And you were put on the Hollywood blacklist, meaning that you would never get work in town again. Yes. Yeah. So um, there's a I think it was a radio host who discovered that that Lucille Ball, when she was younger, had signed something saying that she was a communist. And so in the middle of their second season of I Love Lucy, this is about to hit the air. And we follow Lucy and Desi as they are trying to uh, navigate that. So it's really like just a glimpse into their life very quickly. And then we get some flashbacks to see how they met um, and how Lucille Ball really became Lucy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Pretty much how, uh, you know, Lucy and, and, uh, and, De- and Desi, you know, connected through like this, actually through a movie and Lucille Ball was kind of like she wasn't in the she was in the movie, but she was kind of like like one of those extras, like, so to speak, that yeah. had a speaking role, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, and that's how they connected. One of these kind of you know, these uh, it wasn't a hit or anything, I don't think. <clears throat> and then you know, from there, you know, we we seeing their how they met, like kind of like their meet cute. And where they are, you know, at the time when they're about to, you know, film an episode or they're prepping for an episode, which is really cool because, like, kind of showing how they did it back in the day, 
you know, how they, you know, how they, you know, kind of went through the episode, like in the writing form, and then how they do stage and how they were blocked one day, rehearsal the next, you know, like that, the lead up. Um, it was actually a really clever device to tell the story and kind of jump back and forth. But then we going through the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, before the big episode of, you know, the show that we're seeing a prep for. <laughs> or yeah. It, and they filmed it with a live audience. Um, oh. There's some shows that still do that, but you know, you really had to get it right. Yeah. Uh, there's not too many retakes that you can do when you're filming with a live audience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. They used, they used film back in the day. And this <laughs> film was a little pricey. Oh, maybe not back in the day, but whatever. Um, yeah. So this, this movie is directed and written, written by Aaron Sorkin. Okay. For those who don't know Aaron Sorkin, um, yeah, West Wing, um, Social Network. Well, he's yeah. primarily known for the things that he produces, not necessarily the things that he's directed or written. Well, well, written too, because didn't he write West Wing? I think he wrote some of those episodes, but not really like everything. Okay. Oh, new, oh, Newsroom. Well, he definitely wrote Newsroom. Um, yes, yes, yeah. He he was the writer um, for a few good men. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, let's see. Newsroom. He wrote twenty five episodes. Mm. Uh, for the West Wing. Oh, I guess he he wrote forty one episodes mm. for the West Wing. Yeah. Uh, Sports Night. He wrote eight episodes. Ah, that was a good show. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's not like he wrote everything, but it, definitely he was the creator of them. Right. Um, right. And so probably did the pilot and some of the early episodes, and then hands it over to other folks, where he still has his hand in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote uh, Moneyball too, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um. So yeah. Well, far as <clears throat> movie form, oh, in the Trial of Chicago Seven. He, yeah, he wrote the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah. Uh, plays game, The Social Network, Charlie mm-hmm. Wilson's War. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um. He's really. He's really good. At writing, <clears throat> he's really good at writing arguments, one-liners, and ironic dialogue. I mean, he's he's the best. He's like he's the best to do it right now. Um, right. A, I mean, yeah. you, you can't handle the truth. I mean, come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is like in this movie. You know, the dialogue between, you know, Lucy and the writers, Lucy and, you know, the actors, Lucy and uh, Desi, you know, the, it's uh, all of the dialogue in this movie. It's just that it's so rapid fire. That's kind of how Aaron Sorkin writes. He's like, he don't really do kind of, you know, long 
drawn out monologues. He really just do like fast banter back and forth between like four four or five characters at once. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he really like he writes dialogue that actors can like get their like really dive into and have fun with. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like JK. I mean <laughs> I mean JK is just good at everything, but I mean he's just even more so. It's like this line where, you know, he 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 pulls Lucy out. It's like, okay, come on, let's go for a drink. And Lucy's like, oh, it's only like 10 a.m. He's like, oh, it's 10 15 somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I'm fucking only right. Like <laughs> uh, yeah, like stuff like like dialogue like that. It's just so just like so piffy and back and forth. It but also through their banter, you kind of get a feeling that everyone has been with each other for a while, that they can, you know, kind of, you know, lob these, you know. <laughs> these uh, insults whatever at each other and like they don't get mad you know because oh because was it Jake um, what was his name uh, Ethel Fred and Ethel right like Fred yeah. will always just say some <laughs> so they talk shit about <laughs> Ethel like like oh yeah you know are you ever gonna are you ever gonna show up with something funny you know kind of thing right yeah. or, or like insulting her size and her acting talent yeah and yeah. It, it feels like sort of a brother-sister situation where they're yeah. just constantly going at each other. Exactly. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, they all got love for each other because, you know, they all work with each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think that was part of the like, the dialogue and the interaction from the characters. You get to get the sense of all of their relationships and everything that they are struggling with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also, kind of the tug of, not necessarily a tug of war, but just the, like the affirmation of how brilliant Lucille Ball was. Um, because, you know, we were seeing through the scenes when they're blocking and things like that, and the director, <laughs> you know, just kind of running through the scenes and everybody running through the lines. But, you know, Lucille just stopped, like, no, like, no, that's. Like, this is not working, you know. And we just kind of see her just stewing a little bit. And in her mind, like, like we'll see visually what she's thinking about, like, as she redo the scene in her head. And then she'll tell them, like, okay, like, you know, Fred, Ethel, you should be over here, you know, because that make it funnier. And if you cross this way, da, 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 you know. So it's always like she was the director. She was... She was starring in directing her own episodes. <laughs> yeah, which for, for folks that don't know, um, like she was a producer. In fact, we really only have Star Trek because of her. Um, preach, preach. You know, so besides being an actress, she was a, a very powerful person behind the camera. Um, just a little bit about her, like, a little bit about Lucille Ball. She mm. was born in 1911, and uh, I Love Lucy wasn't on the air until 1951. So before she became famous with I Love Lucy, she was in a number of other things, which means she was basically 40 years old when she made it big. Yeah. 
Yeah. Everyone feels like they've, <laughs> you know, things aren't working because you're in your mid thirties. Just think. Lucille Ball didn't make it till she was 40. Exactly. Yeah, so keep pushing. Keep pushing, y'all. <laughs> Success have, do not have a number. Yeah. Like far as age, exactly. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. That's, that's crazy. So 40. So she started at 40, and the series went on, went for how many seasons? Like, uh, it was only on for two or three years. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, they did a bunch, a bunch of spinoffs for, for it. Right. Okay. Yeah, so about 43, 44, she was done with I Love Lucy. Yep. Um, And then I Love Lucy really was a groundbreaking show because it had a person of color on it. Uh, Jesse Arnaz um, having a Cuban right when Castro was really taking over Cuba and the Cuban Missile Crisis and all of that, which is amazing. And back in the 60s, you weren't allowed to show couples, uh, like, in the same bed, or you couldn't, people, if you were kissing someone and someone was sitting on a bed or in a sofa, one person had to keep their foot on the ground so it didn't look like that they were about to make whoopee. (laughs) And so Lucille Ball ends up getting pregnant in the second season. And that was a huge controversy with the studios. Do we show her pregnant or not? Because by showing a woman pregnant on TV, you're implying that she's had sex. And that's not something that people do. (laughs) Yeah, because the storks pretty much drop us on the roof of houses. That's how. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Oh, man, I swear. Like, yeah, so, so they cover they cover that in in the movie also, which is great because like we're getting we're, we're getting her story about r- really helping create the show behind the scenes, her dealing with being accused of being a communist and mm-hmm. like overcoming this hurdle of showing a pregnant woman on TV. And then through flashbacks, we see her overcoming, bringing someone of Cuban descent on into a TV show, mm-hmm. her fighting through her career, really getting to how she becomes Lucy. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a nice, tight, written movie. I'll tell her. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's how Sork can do it. He gets you in and out. <laughs> um, yeah, and also, on top of all is that Lucy deals with, with, Within the seven days, she also dealing with the tabloids. You oh, know. I, oh, I forgot about that. Yes, and and you know, and Desi, you know, like oh, Desi might be you know messing around and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's like so much mental mental juggling we see her do. <laughs> right, but the thing, like the movie moves so fast. And so well written that it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot going on. You just, you're going from scene to scene. It feels like a normal work day where you're just going from fire to fire and dealing with all that shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then at the end, you have a nice little package. All right. <laughs> yeah. It all, um, yeah. And so, and plus the movie does a good job of, you know, highlighting a couple of, like classic 
episodes, like how they came up with the idea of Lucy going out to Italy to do the the infamous like grape crushing uh, episode. How you know uh, how they were kind of thinking about it, like this scenario. But then we see in Lucy's head the episode where you know she's actually like in like the you know, what's it what they call it but that they step in with the grapes to smash them up. It's a technical name for it, but yeah, I mean, I don't, the, the I big don't. the big yeah. bucket, <laughs> the great big bucket. <laughs> Uh, the smash grapes stuff like that. Um, so yeah, and uh, it's it, it, uh, I love that the this particular way of telling this story of Lucille Ball, like it shows not only how much you know she had to deal with with people, but the realization that she also had to be the funniest person in the room and the smartest person in the room, like on top of all that. And and she managed she managed to do that at every turn, you know. And she wasn't she wasn't apologetic about it. I mean, like it wasn't like button heads with the director. It's just like her letting people know that she know comedy, she know what's funny. The person that's directing it are, is not seeing it the way that a funny person would see it. Therefore, she have to intervene because this is her show. Like, if her show isn't funny, she's done. And, yep. yeah, and so that was, like, the heel that she always died on. Like, hey, if it's not funny, we got to redo it. And that's what I loved about, you know, certain scenes with her. It's like, yeah, like, that's... It was inspiring. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... There, the film's up for three Oscars, um, and it's all for the actors. Ironically, since we've been really screaming and highlighting the writing in this, yeah, it's not up for no screenplay, no screenplay. Uh-oh. It's Aaron Sorkin. What the hell? I, I know. So, best oh. performance by an actress in a leading role, best actor in a leading role, and best performance by an actor in a supporting role, which is Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, J.K. Simmons, which they've all won Oscars before. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind, I, I would mind J.K. getting the second one because he was just so good. <laughs> yeah. my So when I first started watching the film, um, Nicole Kidman's face really freaked me out. Um, she's had... It was like a combination of too much work on her face and then prosthetics to make her look like Lucille Ball. Mm-hmm. And her face wasn't really moving that much <laughs> for the first like 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. And I don't know if I got used to it or if her face started moving more, but it was a bit too distracting. So I would not <laughs> for her for best supporting actress because because the lack of movement in the face it was like. Just her mouth moving. Mm. Who, who's all uh, up for actress? For best supporting actress? Um, one second. Oh, wait a minute, she's up for best supporting? I thought she I was mean, a lead. Best, uh, leading, oh. Leading, oh, okay, leading. gotcha. All right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, actor in a leading note. Actress in a leading role. We have uh, Jessica Chastain for Eyes of Tammy Faye. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, mm-hmm. Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman, and Kirsten Stewart. Oh, Spencer. And Spencer. Yeah. I mean, um, I've only seen two of these films, but I'm going to vote for Jessica yeah. and for the of Tammy Faye because she was fucking amazing in that. Yeah. I mean, she she really she really played that part to the point where, like, I I forgot it was Jessica. Just she was yeah. she was Tammy Faye. Like, you were 100. watching her. Yes. Yeah. No, totally. I, I give it to her definitely, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, Javier. Who's uh? Best I know, support. I know it's Best. Cumberbatch, right? It gotta be Cumberbatch. Yeah, Cumberbatch and Power of the Dog. Uh, Andrew oh. Garfield. Oh, Will, Will Smith. Smith. Right. And then Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah I, I give it to Will. Like I guess I want Will to get his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah when, we, when we discussed The Power of the Dog, you, you, you were voting for Will Smith then, so I'm, yeah. I'm I mean, I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I mean, Will just been it's like so close for so many years. It's like, just give it, just give it to him. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah. It, it, I mean, speaking of Will Smith, he's producing the new uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, it's out now, right? It's out now. Uh, I watched the first three or four episodes, however many episodes. Uh, and it's it's really good. I heard. Highly yeah. recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to jump on that. Yeah, definitely. Because, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people would like you. was like, oh, actually, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I'm definitely going to get on that. And did you, did you, do you know, like, how you read, you read how that new Bel Air came about? It was like a short or something. Yeah. yeah. Like with these, these two, like these two kids. Well, not, they're not kids, but, you know, and, I think Willow or one of Will Smith's children like showed him like this trailer that, you know, these two black kids made and oh. Will Smith called him like, Hey, I think I want to do a show off this. And <laughs> I, I mean, that like, that's really cool. Like, you know, they just brought these two unknown, you know, black kids like, Hey, I like, I like your vision. Let's do a show about it. Like, like, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Like that alone, like, hey, respect. You know, that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So coming back to being the Ricardos for our review, uh, sit on the sofa and watch it. Have it on in the background or leave the house, take on the crazies and don't bother watching it. Uh, definitely watch it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's so I mean the the dialogue is just and the, all the acting. Once I got past Nicole Kidman's face, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like General said. It's a good, nice, tightly written, well acted. Yeah, it's like from beginning to end. It's just like every scene is just good. Just good dialogue. Good acting. Next scene, just good. <laughs> yeah, that's why I go so fast because every scene is so good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and it don't drag, and that's another thing. Like sometimes films like this kind of have like a second act that kind of just drags a little bit. It's like 
alright like let's, it'd be cool if it picked up a little bit like the scene is a little too long but no it, like tight 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 and then in credits yeah I, I really wish like I wish Aaron Sorkin had written The Eyes of Tammy Faye because that movie felt like it dragged even though Jessica Stratham was amazing in it it was it felt very long and whereas this one was so tight yeah. I just I wanted the same writing on the eyes <laughs> yeah yeah that's that, 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 that Sorkin magic <laughs> yeah but yeah there you go there you have it everyone uh, being that it coddles it is on Prime Video as we speak um if you don't have Prime, of course, it's for rent. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, get a jump on all of the Oscar-nominated movies if you haven't seen it before, The Big Night. And we will come back with some more Oscar-nominated movies. Until then, we wish everyone safe, physical, distancing, and... Uh, keep getting those vaccines and wearing those masks. Yes. Peace.